Good morning. morning. Who is excited about Jesus today? I am too. There's probably some of you who are just trying to figure Jesus out and uh, wouldn't whoop at that point, but welcome either way. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. We're we're exploring more of who Jesus is. Uh, Just looking at uh, some key vision priorities for ourselves as a church as we begin this new autumn term. Uh, And they are, of course, all in with God, all in with each other, and all in for the world. Uh, If you were here this time last week, uh, Hills preached another stonker about hunger. Uh, If you missed it, uh, please check it out online. That's 27 minutes and 18 seconds of your life you will not regret. Uh, It really is uh, a stirring message. Quick recap, we'll feel like the spiritual version of that popular game, Bop It. Does anyone remember Bop It? We've got a little picture on the screen. Miss it, own it, provoke it. I think it was twist it, switch it, I can't smash it. That's how you gain hunger. Um, If that's confused you, do go online and have a little look. But we want to be a a people who are hungry. Amen? Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I bless you with hunger for the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Great. If you're here this time next week, there'll be a whole bunch of people running around Cheltenham doing 13 point however many miles for the half marathon. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? Well done for you if you've been training for that. Looking forward to it. Uh, I'm going to be speaking today about something that probably feels a little bit like a marathon. And everyone will have had experience of how marathon-ish this can feel like. Because we're looking at the middle thing that is all in with each other. With each other. Turn to the person next to you and say, it can feel like a marathon being with you. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just... just (laughs) Please, just, you've got to learn when, follow me as I follow Jesus, not in the other quirky bits. It can be a challenge, can't it? It can be a challenge to be with each other. We're going to read from Acts 2 shortly, if you want to head there, uh, about this amazing community of people who were pursuing God and were transformed by it. Uh, but it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. Being a part of a body like this can be really good. I'm thanking God that I'm part of Trinity Cheltenham in this season at this time. I genuinely am grateful for it, for all the challenges. I'm thanking God for it. I know that it's good, but, but there's parts of being part of a body, part of a family that are challenging. And mainly that's because some of you are different to me. That's where the problem lies. It's, it's, <laughs> you don't prioritize like me. You don't make tea like me or parent like me. You're different. Uh, and a lot of those differences aren't inherently bad, they're just different. Uh, But then there are bad habits, bad bits, bad bits of all of us that we all have stuff that we have to own, the bad bits. I'm broken, we're all broken, being made whole by Jesus. I love that we had communion today, where we get to share in one bread, one wine, reminding ourselves that because of Jesus' brokenness, we can be made one, one church, that's powerful. But often in community, like this, our, our brokenness can get a bit annoying. And, and it can be annoying when we see brokenness in each other that is different to our brokenness. I can get annoyed when I see stuff in you guys that is broken and I'm like, in my own pride, I can say, I know that's broken because I don't get that wrong. But even more annoying than that is when your brokenness is the same as mine. That is just frustrating on so many levels. Because I can't just walk away from it. There's a, there's a pride issue there as well. It's doubly frustrating seeing someone like, mess up in the same way it's irritating because I can't feel smug 
about your brokenness. You know what I mean? So our brokenness hides it. But that's why I love that we do church on Sundays, because we can blag it and fake it. It's like another bop it game, isn't it? It's like blag it, hide it, fake it, swap it, whatever it is. It's like just <laughs> put it under the carpet. That's why we try and keep our celebrations short. That's why we don't, you know, do food together. We just, because we can put on our Sunday best. Sorry about my hair today, people. It was a crazy morning in the Baker household. But we can, we can pull off a Christian facade, a masquerade on a Sunday. And the title for this message this morning is More Than a Sunday, all in with each other. We've got a picture of uh, some of my beautiful children in a tent. This is the antidote to Sunday church. This is why I love new wine. Because it's more than an hour and a half. It's canvas, so people can hear you shouting at your spouse or, <laughs> or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your kids. Not that anyone shouts at kids anymore. But <clears throat> there is something wonderful about being in a wet, messy field with 40 mile per hour winds and very little sleep and all sorts of stuff. It's just everything is out there to see, and I just thank you to everyone who puts up with me every year at New Wine and our, and, our, and our kids and all sorts, but there's something amazing. What I love about New Wine is the vulnerability of it, the vulnerability of actual community, actually living together and going, hey, I can help you. I can be part of this body in a way that we don't get to see on a Sunday. We've become, in some ways, for that, for that week, real family, real community. Lucy Pepiat, a theologian, in her book about discipleship, talks about how we can, in other ways, in other relationships, when we've got distance, when it's just Sunday, we can, we can become experts in pretense. We can. We can become experts in pretense. And I want to undo that a little bit this morning together. I want us to get to a point where we're saying we don't want to be that. We actually want to have sincere hearts, which is what it says about the people in Acts 2. Uh, we'll come to that in a moment. But the, the New Testament is full of so many phrases. I did a little word study on the one another's of the New Testament, what you should do to one another. And above it all, it's love one another. Love one another. There's so many in there. Confess your sins to another. Forgive one another. There's so many different ones. Of course, uh, repeated about four times is the encouragement to greet each other with a holy kiss. So hopefully the host team did that this morning. As you came in, you were greeted with a holy kiss. There's so many, uh, there are so many one another verses in the New Testament that encourage us to be one another, to share with one another, to be honest with one another. But let's have a look at this uh, passage, such a brilliant passage, about this early church in Acts. This, as Jesus has died, He's risen again, he's appeared to the disciples, he's breathed on them the Holy Spirit, and we see some of the transformation of what happens when a bunch of unschooled people get hit by the presence of God and start to proclaim how good God is. 3,000 people are added to their number, and then it describes, after that, it describes what happens. And we're gonna read it here, and I'm just gonna pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We, we are so richly blessed to be able to read it out loud together, to be able to study it together. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd come and teach us. If that's your prayer, just say amen. Amen. Come and teach us, Holy, Holy Spirit, that we would be transformed. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. So they devoted themselves, this is the, the new believers, about 3,000 of them, um, it's just spoken of, and the apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Devoted. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Thanks, Andrew. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that just amazing? Wouldn't that be a great passage to read every morning? Pop it on your mirror. Amazing. What a vision. What a vision of community and of the, of the power of God at the center of something. Uh, I kind of really wanted to, to stand up this morning and, and, and say, what, what's, what's exciting about this, about the unity of this? In fact, we're going to watch a video shortly before I get excited. Let's just watch. This is a video of um, a whole bunch of people. If you're a Foo Fighters fan, uh, there were a whole bunch of Foo Fighters fans in Italy who were just so upset that the Foo Fighters hadn't put Italy on the tour dates. They weren't going to be visiting Italy, so they were offended. So they thought, what can we do? We'll try and get their attention. So they all worked together. They were all in together with each other uh, to try and get the Foo Fighters' attention. And this is what... How cool is that? How good would that be on a Sunday morning? Let's get some more lead guitars in here. A whole bunch of drums. I just, I, I love that. So Foo Fighters ended up adding a date on, and actually these guys now are called Rocking 1000, so they, they, the whole bunch of them, they do stadium tours as this, the, big, the biggest rock band in the world, because there's a thousand of them, not because they're the most popular. Um, but it's, it, isn't that, I, I, I mean, that's such a picture of what church could be in some ways, in terms of empowering more people, the priesthood of all believers, let's get excited about that, but that's another sermon. But there's something about the togetherness, the all-in with each other that gets me excited and that reminds me of this passage that we've just read from Acts 2. And as I was saying, I really wanted to say, as we look at how together they were, literally their, their, their balance sheets were together. They were, they were so all in. They, were all, they weren't withholding anything from each other. They were all in with sincere hearts. It was such a picture of togetherness. It gets me excited. It's, it's surrounded by, because they'd met with the presence of God. It's surrounded by the presence of God. And I really wanted to stand up here because it's important to our church. I really wanted to stand up here and say it's not about programs. It's about the presence of God. And yet, if you read Acts 2, they're meeting together daily in the temple courts. So I don't feel like I can say that with the with the kind of conviction as if we can throw one without the other. But program isn't a really fun word. It's not, it's not a very sexy word in the Christian world, that, the kind of idea of doing the same thing again and again, turning up to hungry every month on a Thursday, or the kind of the, the rhythm of a commitment and a cost. In our day and age, that's not cool. That's a cost that we count. That's, that's take, that's, I think that's more costly than the idea of what we can sometimes call the presence, which is about more of a moment response. Is this okay to say? 
It's a balance. I don't want us to, we can't, it, it doesn't work if it's programs. You guys know that, I know that. It doesn't work if it's just programs. But I don't think this verse, this passage lets us just say, it's all because of the presence of God. It is because of the presence of God. But it's because of a people who were transformed by the presence of God and had some rhythm in their, in their, in their daily lives. They had some rhythm that was costly. So we can't just call presence and it be a, a, an excuse for not having rhythms and programs. Is that all right? Yes, yes it's biblical. Um, great. So we're going to have a little look at this. There's three things that I want to look at. Obviously, three-point sermon. They all begin with a C, uh, uh, so it's legit. Uh, and it's connect, contribute, and confess. I want to connect, contribute, and confess. This is what was going on in this, in this picture. So the early church in Acts connected through learning together. As I've just spoken about, they were learning together regularly. They were meeting daily. There was a connectedness. And they were also in awe together. They had seen the apostles' miracles, the stuff that was happening that was transformative. They were in awe together. There was a together sense of, wow, wow. And we can get comfortable about the wow of God for those of us who've been Christians for a long time or have seen healings quite a lot. We need to remind ourselves that there's a wow that unites us. Most people in this room are people who have been wowed by the love of God that's transformed us. There is a wow that brings them together, that they connect through. And as we translate some of what God was doing in that season and in that life of the church 2,000 years ago, and by the way, we know it didn't continue like that. I'll get to that in a minute with confess, but it didn't continue like that because we've got a whole New Testament of letters to the church where they weren't doing the stuff that was, that was modeled in that first outpouring and that first example of church. But when we translate that to today, our current society, we have to be mindful of the fact that our society is, is, not, is not so up for the way that, that Christ might do community. We, we live in quite an individualistic society. I'm going to read a quote from uh, Parker Palmer, uh, an American author. If we could have that on the screen. Oh, it's very small. My apologies. But trust me, I'm reading it right. People are now drawn towards cities large, large and complicated enough to meet our economic desires and toward families small and portable and even disposable enough to make mobility possible. Popular sociology portrays us as victims of these movements and trends as if the woes that accompany modernity have been forced upon us. But no. The destruction of intimate community has been at our own hands. It has corresponded to our own hierarchy of values, which stand largely in tension with the value of total and intimate community. As much as we yearn for community, we yearn even more for the social and economic prizes individual mobility can bring. That's quoted by Jean Vanier in a book called uh, Growth Together. Is it Growth Together? I can't remember. That's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. The way that our world is set up is actually to try and encourage individualism. I, I could ask for a show of hands of how many people in this place own a washing machine that works. I know that might not be all of us, but most of us would. We could ask the same thing about some other different appliances and technology. And we live on, you know, I, I live on a close with, you know, 30 houses and there's 30 washing machines. There's something about the way that Technology and industry wants to sell us products that, that encourage us to be 
individual. And actually, the God, the, the Holy Spirit, the, the Trinity, it models an interdependence, not independence. So we have to be aware that we are going against the grain. That book was actually written nine, in 1977. How things have changed in the last 40 years, I don't think we've grown any further towards intimate community. And yet, there is a real hunger for it. And you know that. You know that from the way that you can connect with neighbors and they can warm to it. So they did life together, they ate together. And just, Andrew's already explained a few different things that are coming up, our element programs, all this, the alpha, come and, come and have a meal together. There's different opportunities, but what is fundamental to us as a, as a church is our life groups, our midweek gatherings. That's where I can see the, the closest representation of some of the stuff from Acts 2. There's people I'm in a life group with who know when I'm in financial difficulty, or we eat together at times, or even if that's just sharing some nibbles and drinking together, that, that I can't hide from them, and I wouldn't want to, but I can't hide from them. They, they know me, we pray together, and there's a richness, there's a regularity. We're, 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 we're gathering around the word of God and we're challenging each other. If you're not in a life group, I would love for you to, to think about it and to, to get stirred about it. If you are in a life group and you see the richness of it, maybe you wanna be a life group leader because we, we could do with some more as a church. There are more people in this church who could do with connecting in. So that might be your response this morning. You might not come to the front for prayer. You might go to the back and sign up to, to find out more about being a life group leader or getting connected to a life group. So rich. So connect. That's the, the priority of connecting. Find people that you can do life with, eat with, as Jesus led us in. Join the element course, whatever. Uh, but also contribute. We, we want to contribute. That's why I love that video of everyone being involved. That's why I find this slightly awkward and uncomfortable. There's one person expected to wrestle with the word of God over a week and then just stand here for 30 minutes and look really, really cool. But where, where is the contribution of the wider body? Where, how, how, are we dif how are we contributing in different ways? How are you contributing to this community or to your life group, to the body of believers? If you're turning up on a Sunday and checking out during the week, our body misses out and you miss out. And this, isn't, this, is, this Acts 2 was about the believers, how they live together. This isn't about mission and how we can be on mission around or connecting with our neighbors. This is just about how we can love each other because that's how the world sees God as we love each other well. It's one of the ways. How we contribute. The body misses out and you miss out if you're not playing your part, if you've not got your part. What does the Acts 2 church look like? They were all involved they were contributing they were literally had the same balance sheets as i've already mentioned they were sharing in everything how can you be contributing it will look different to different people for some people it's like mark giles this morning he's on as as long a haul flight as you can be on tonight but he's still here this morning making coffees for us all he won't even be hearing this message although obviously mark thanks for watching it on the plane on youtube <laughs> i appreciate that <clears throat> But it, it, takes, it takes the body all playing their part. You might, it, you might be that your gift is encouraging. It might be that your gift, whatever your gift is, find it, or whatever your contribution is, it doesn't work. Acts 2 doesn't work if people are withholding, if they're not contributing to the body together. Why don't you turn with me to Romans 12. And we're going to read from verse 3. And because this is about the body, I think it'd be good to read it together. Is that all right? Great, so, so grab it in your Bibles if you won't be able to see it on the screen. It's good to have our paper Bibles in front of us. Great, let's read this together. 
For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Just pause there. Turn to the person next to you and say, be sober. It's good. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it gently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor another above yourselves. We're going to come back to that love must be sincere shortly. But there's a picture of this body working together, the, the encouragement. You all have different things to contribute. You all have different gifts and skills. And we talk about the gift of teaching. That's not the gift of standing up in front of 400 people on a Sunday morning. That might be the gift of, of, being, of, of living out a, a verse from the Bible that's really challenging you and, and texting it to someone or talking to someone on a Sunday morning, do you know what actually has really encouraged me? This verse that I found in two Chronicles. Wow, what an image of God. The, the gift of teaching isn't just about large crowds, but we can model something on a Sunday morning that is unhelpful in terms of how the body should be working. We should be connecting. That's why I think life groups and smaller groups and um, alpha groups can be really beneficial to us because we get to contribute. So we need to contribute. Jean Vanier talks about envy being one of these things that can really undermine the way that we contribute. It comes from people's ignorance of or lack of belief in their own gifts. That's where envy can sometimes come. If we were confident in our own gift, we would not envy that of others. You might want to ask this morning, God, would you just remind me of what my gift is? What, what, what does it look like to be a gift to this community, to my life group, to this church? What can I contribute? And here's a strong one from Dietrich Bonhoeffer from his, his book, Life Together, and he uses the word unemployed, not as in people who don't have, uh, aren't being paid to work, but are not being used. A community which allows unemployed members to exist within it will perish because of them. It's pretty strong, isn't it? A community which allows unemployed members to exist within it will perish because of them. If we want to be the act to people, if we want to be all in together, then we, we want to find different ways of contributing. Why don't you join a, a coffee rotor? Why don't you sign up to be praying? Why don't you, uh, you might want to sponsor someone uh, to go to Kenya. We've got a Kenya trip coming out. You might not be able to go yourself, but you might have the funds. It'd be great if you could connect at the welcome point or come and chat with me if you have the funds available to enable someone else to do something. There are lots of different ways that we can contribute. So connect with each other, contribute, and then we're talking about confess, confess. From that passage, 
it, it talks about the Acts 2 church, who were glad, they were glad together and they were sincere together. They were sincere. That word comes from the Latin for pure or clean, unadulterated. It wasn't, it wasn't changed. They were sincere, not falsified. Romans 12 passages says, love must be sincere. And I, and I just think there's a challenge about this. And I, I recognize that in our, in our gatherings as the, as the size of church that we are, um, being sincere doesn't mean just having all of your dirty laundry out with everyone who just says hello or asks you how you are. We're British. How you are sometimes just means hi. How are you? Uh, uh, no, I didn't really mean how are you. Sorry, I've, just, I've got stuff to do. But, but I just meant hi. I just meant hi. So I'm not suggesting that we all have to hear about Mike Fuller's big, deep problems. Do you know what I mean? We don't, we don't all need to hear it, Mike, okay? <laughs> Thank goodness. But we don't want to have a culture where we feel like we have to hide the problems at the door, come in here, and look Christian or try and make sure we at least put our hand up for one chorus so that people know that we're pretty devoted. I'm caricaturing it a little bit, but that sincere word is, is the one that I think is, is hanging heavy on me this morning for us as a people. What does it look like to have sincere hearts? And some of you, I'm praying, Holy Spirit will be prompting you even now that you've started to just put, you've started to put some filters on your life. You started to put some filters in the way that you connect with the people in your life group or the people who ask you how you are on, in a one-to-one -one setting where you could actually be honest. I've talked in the past about shame. I've talked in, shame can be that thing that just robs us, tries to define us in a way that isolates us from, from people. We want this to be a shame-free environment. Amen? We want this to be an environment where someone can come and just speak to you and say, do you know what, I, I have just fluffed it again this week. I'm feeling so far from God, or I feel so lacking in confidence of who God is. I don't feel like I want to whoop this morning about Jesus. Some of it is because of experience, but some of it is my own mess. What does it look like for us to be a sincere community together? Again, that's where we have to have God at the center and pursue him, free from pretense or deceit, proceeding from genuine feelings. So we have this amazing community of people and they're all stirred up and they're all fired up and they're sharing together and they're, they're selling possessions so that people in need can, don't have to be in need. There's all sorts of amazing stuff going on. And then we're gonna hit three chapters later where we see those who aren't necessarily sincere. Here's a passage we like to avoid. You can turn to it if you want, Acts 5. I'm going to read it, it's not going to be on the screen. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. 
He'd seen this done. He was aware that people were selling property and, and giving. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? It's your money. You what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. That's a bad day at church, isn't it? Okay. Three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Should we pray? <laughs> Shall we pray and you can figure that one out? Um, this, this is not an, an easy passage to unpack, but I still think it's an important one to have represented in this early church community as we're explored these were people who didn't have sincere hearts. They wanted to play the game. They wanted to look the part. They wanted to fake it and make it. They were caught up in the idea that I can belong without actually sharing in, in behaviors. They, they, there was this pressure to be something, this pressure to be something. Some of you here this morning, God's not asking you to sell your property. It's not asking you all the things that you feel like you should be able to do on a Sunday morning, and yet we feel this pressure about the community to, to be a certain level, to be modeling a certain discipleship that actually causes us to be insincere, to hide and to lie and to be something that we're not. And that causes the exact opposite of what God wants to do and the exact opposite of what we see in this community. It causes separation. In this, it causes death. I believe in our church and in, in, in the lives of followers of Christ in Cheltenham and around, it causes a spiritual death. If we can't be honest about where we're really at, if we can't just turn to the person next, next to us and, or, or, or someone who, who knows us well enough and say, I haven't had a decent quiet time with God for six months and I'm putting in, I'm, I'm doing all sorts of surface level behavior to hide that from people, but ultimately I'm feeling broken and numb about something or something's not right, help me. I don't even know how to put words on it, but I can't do this faking it. I can't do this insincerity. It doesn't work. There is, there is a, a death that comes when we try and lie in the presence of God when we try and lie around the people of God that undermines the richness of who we could be together. So as we push forward with vision and, and want to see all, thing, all sorts of things happen and, 
and, and missions shaped from our, from our family and, and changing Cheltenham, if we can't be honest with each other, I just, I don't know that we're in a, a good spot to be, to be connecting, to be a light with the world around us. So, connect. Connect with people around you. Connect in genuine relationships. Contribute and confess. We need to learn to confess our stuff to each other. We, you need to have relationships with people who you can meet with. Whether it's a prayer triplet, where you can just say, honestly, this, this is... I don't want to focus on this, but this was, this was my behavior again this week, or this is, this is what's just creeping in again. And there's people who will love you and cheer you on. Great. Well, I'd love it if we can pray together, do some ministry together. Are you up for that? Are you up for this Act 2 stuff? It is crazy. Part of me wants to say, let's all sell our houses and go build a community somewhere. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm holding back a little bit in this preach this morning. That's part, genuinely, I, there's, a, there's a passion for me, a, a community living, what it looks like actually to, to share Wi-Fi together. Do you know what I mean? To, let's just have one Virgin Media bill. Do you know what I mean? That's the kingdom coming, isn't it? Not because of finance, but because we're all, we, we've not got all this kind of separatedness. But that is for another time. That's when Andrew lets me, I'll just go crazy on you all about some of the plans that we could have. Um, so if you do want to sell up and come and live with me and my four kids, six and under, <laughs> chat, chat to me afterwards, we could do with some home help. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I genuinely, it's serious moment out of a funny one, I genuinely can't live with anyone who won't be honest with me. I can't. Karis and I, over the space of our married life, have probably lived in 14 different houses with 14 different families. I think we calculated that before we came here. Uh, and since then, have shared homes with people who are stuck, or we've invited people into our, our homes, or we've lived with people in the... It's never easy, but it's so rich. And, and I just... It's, it's, if, as long as people can just be really honest, David, you're singing in the morning, just irks me. Or David, this isn't going to work. Or... The, we, I, we can live together if we're going to be honest. Amen? Should we stand up if we're able to? It'd be great if Will could bring some Holy Spirit ambiance. That'd be really good. That was quite Pentecostal of me, wasn't it? Just to ask straight off. I love being part of this church. You can say it if you want. Warts and all. I love it. I love what we're, what we're for. I love being part of a life group. It's challenging at times. There's some quirky characters in my life group. I could ask them to put their hands up now, but it, it just wouldn't be appropriate. But we're so up for Jesus. Why don't we pray? God, we're so inspired as we read of this bunch of people, warts and all, who were so impacted by the awe of God, by the presence of God amongst them, that they sold stuff and shared stuff and owned stuff and confessed stuff. Lord, we just say at a very basic level together, we say we want this. We say again 
after last week. We want to be hungry. Where we're not hungry, would you challenge us? Would we own it? Would you provoke it in us? We want to be that people who are hungry. But Lord, we, we also want to be a people who have glad hearts and sincere hearts. So I pray, I pray God that you just move. If there's people in this room, just however you want to move, just come Holy Spirit, come and move amongst us. Come and move amongst us. You might want to place your hands out in front of you. It's not, it's, there's nothing magic about it, but it's a, it's an outward sign of an inward hunger for God. Come Holy Spirit. And before we own anything individually, why don't we just pray for a move of God amongst us? Wouldn't that be our first prayer for the presence of God to move afresh in this town amongst us? Could you pray that with me? Come Holy Spirit. Whether it's now, whether it's in a prayer meeting in the week, whether it's, would you move in power amongst us? Would you break out? We are hungry for you. We are hungry for you. We'll do the programs, Lord. But we want the presence of God. Jesus, Jesus, come, Holy Spirit, come. We're hungry for you. We're desperate for you, God. In this church, in this town, at this time, in this nation. We're desperate for you. For some of you, as I've described what it looks like to be part of the body, you've never actually asked God into your life. You've never actually said, Jesus, come into my heart. I want to be part of this family. Well, he welcomes you this morning. He says, invite me in. And you can pray a prayer right now. Jesus, I'm sorry for my mess. I'm sorry for trying to live without you. Would you come into my heart that I could be part of your family? Jesus name it's a big prayer to pray if you prayed that for the first time I'd love to chat with you afterwards or come and grab someone at the welcome point but for the rest of us in this wider body God would you stir us for those for those this morning God that you want to just prompt them about life group whether it's joining a life group for the first time or for the second time or the third time or whether it's admitting that the life group they're currently in isn't working or the, their connectedness, they're not taking it seriously. Lord, would you, would you challenge us on any of those levels around how connected we are? I'm gonna invite a few people to, to come forward in this moment as we talk about contribute. Um, if, if if you just want to ask God to, to speak to you about what your contribution is or you want to commit afresh a to this church, to actually saying, I am committing to this church and to being one who contributes, I'd love for you to, to come forward. We'll, we'd love to pray for you, commission you in your gifts, 
um, get someone to hear on, on your behalf to affirm what God has given you. I'd love for you to come forward. Why don't you come forward now? Thank you. I'd love to pray for people. And it might be that you want to come forward as well because you just want to be transparent. You want that sincere heart. You want, to, you want God to help you to have that heart that is open, that is sincere. Or you might need healing in your body. We've had a couple of healings. Someone last week was healed of a chest problem that she'd had for, since February, struggle, uh, struggling to breathe properly. And she was prayed for in our evening celebration last week. And for the first time in eight months was able to breathe properly. Uh, we believe in a God who heals. So if, if there's something that you need prayer for, why don't you just come forward? We wanna make space down the front to pray for people, let's, let's engage. The band are gonna continue in worship, but we would love to pray for some people around anything. Uh, 